Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Welcome today to Wednesday's message. We're in a series called Pondering Prophecy. We've been dedicating these Wednesdays to speak on the subject of of prophecy. Um, I want to remind you also as we get started that all of our video messages as well as our audio podcasts are available not only on our website at www.faithdialogue.org but also on Google Podcasts and SoundCloud and Podbean. You'll find them all different kinds of places. You know, over the past few weeks, we looked at a number of different portions of scriptures that all are related to, to prophecy. And when we speak about prophecy, we're not talking about fulfilled prophecy. We're talking about prophecy that is yet unfilled, that all points towards the end times, the, the latter days, as the Bible says. Now, before we begin our topic for today, which is the identity of the little horn, identity of the little horn. Little horn is uh, referred to in the book of Daniel. It's also called um, um, the, uh, the abomination of desolation. There's a number of names for this individual. Uh, but before we get into the topic today, I want to spend a little time and talk about one of my heroes of the Old Testament. And that's the Old Testament prophet Daniel. Daniel is one of the most prolific prophets of the Old Testament. He was a, a natural leader that had a supernatural gift. He was able to interpret dreams. But he became greater than anybody else in the kingdom of Babylon other than the king himself. Now the name Daniel is actually Hebrew and it means God is my judge. That's Dan L. Judge God. God is my judge. We know Daniel primarily from the book of Daniel in which he is the main character. He's the, he's the hero. Uh, that interprets dreams for Nebuchadnezzar as well as some of the other kings. Now Daniel was a very young man when he was taken into captivity during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar II of Babylon. Early, early in the book of Daniel, um, Daniel who was one of the wise men, uh, also called the Magi, is called to the king to interpret the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. Now this is the very first encounter that Daniel has with the king and what he tells them becomes the theme actually of all of his prophecies in the book of Daniel. This is what Daniel says. This is chapter 2 beginning in verse 27. Daniel answered the king, no wise man, enchanter, medium, or magician can explain to the king the mystery of which he inquires. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the latter days. Your dream and the visions that came into your mind as you lay on your bed are these. Verse 29, as you lay on your bed, O king, your thoughts turn to the future and the revealer of mysteries made known to you what will happen. And to me, this mystery has been revealed, not because I have more wisdom than any man alive, but in order that the interpretation might be known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. Now, as I said, this is the very first conversation that uh, Daniel had with King Nebuchadnezzar II, the ruler of all Babylon. And the young man Daniel tells the king what's what. Daniel says, no wise man, 
no enchanter or medium or magician can explain the king to the king the mystery of which he inquires but Daniel doesn't end there he doesn't leave the king hanging he tells them about the God the God Jehovah the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob and he says but there is a God there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the latter days so Daniel makes it very very clear to the king that only the God of Israel is able to do this that no wise man can do it no enchanter you can't get it by magic but Daniel can can inquire to the God of Israel and the God of Israel will reveal it to Nebuchadnezzar he also says this has to do with the latter days notice these two words mysteries and latter days this my friends is exactly why I enjoy not only reading but also teaching prophecy these are mysteries that the Bible tells us what will happen in the latter days now when are the latter days well by some reckoning um, the, the, by some reckoning the latter days actually started at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended on the people in Israel in Jerusalem that were listening to to Peter um, at the same time in a much more literal sense they are the days just prior and including the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ that time that sees the regathering of the people in their homeland and we've actually seen that prophecy fulfilled that was May 14th in 1948 when the nation of Israel was announced to the world and for the first time in nearly 2,000 years there's a nation ruled by the Jews whose God is the Lord now prophecy occupies more than 25 percent of the entire Bible there is much more um, uh, unfulfilled prophecy uh, left in the Bible in fact there's more unfulfilled prophecy than prophecy that has actually been fulfilled uh, we also see that prophecy that is fulfilled is fulfilled exactly as it is written that's why we try whenever possible to take prophecy literally not figuratively for example Jesus was literally born of a virgin literally in Bethlehem he was a descendant of the of Abraham of the tribe of Judah of the line of King David the son of Jesse just as it was prophesied now this is there's not a figurative Messiah Jesus is the God-man. Jesus Christ actually is the Messiah. He's literally the Messiah. He didn't figuratively suffer for our sins, but he literally died on the Roman cross. He rose from the dead as it was prophesied that he would. The Bible says clearly that he will come again. He will reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. He will come in might and power, and he will ultimately judge the living and the dead. So today, as we continue in our series, we want to remind our audience and all those that are in the, within the sound of my voice that the signs of the time are growing. The signs of the times are growing. They are growing at an ever-increasing rate. The mysteries of the coming of, the, of Jesus and the events of the latter days that we may have wondered about in the past, how God would, would bring them to pass, are now becoming clearly evident as I mentioned we are the generation that has seen the greatest sign of the latter days and that is the regathering of the people into the land of Israel um, this too was a, a mystery until it happened just as the Bible said it would the nation was literally born in a day 
So today we're going to look at primarily one chapter in the book of, uh, book of Daniel. If you want to get your Bibles out, we're going to be primarily in chapter 7 as we introduce this topic, the identity of the little horn. And we'll be looking at one of the most amazing as well as one of the most difficult prophecies given in the Bible. Now I've selected this passage for a couple of reasons. The primary reason is that there are so many discussions and prophecy and so many of them have to do with the identity of the Antichrist. And you notice that's not the topic of my, my talk today. We're talking about the identity of the little horn. And when we look at these prophecies, particularly in the books of Daniel and Isaiah, Ezekiel and Revelation, we need to put them clearly in context. What we need to do is actually allow the Bible to interpret the Bible. And many of these Old Testament prophecies help us to accurately understand the future events, these future mysteries that the Bible talks about, these events, the characters, the nations, and the likely timeline of the latter days. That's the days just prior to the, coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ. So when we look at prophecy, our primary and often our only text is the Bible. The Bible is the story of redemption. It's the story of restoration. God is truly the author of the Bible, and he used over 40 human authors writing in three languages on three continents over 2,000 years. Just think about it. I mean, just, just amazing. The Bible is just this, this amazing work of God. And in the Bible, we have all of the references, all of the symbols, all the numbers and images that we read in, in prophecy. So let me give you an example of why we use the Bible to interpret the Bible. In the book of Revelation, one of my favorite books, in the book of Revelation, we see a beast coming out of the sea, and it's described in very cryptic language. I'll, I'll read a portion to it. You, and it says, uh, Then I, and this is John, the apostle speaking, stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet was like the feet of a bear, and in his mouth was the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So if, if you were just flipping through the Bible and you stumbled on chapter 13, that's what I read for you, chapter 13 beginning in verse 1, you may be pretty confused. And I can understand that because if this is the very first time you've read this type of language in the Bible, it would be confusing. The language is mysterious. How are we to understand this beast with the seven heads and the ten horns? Well, the language may be puzzling, but remember I said the Bible interprets the Bible. And we can find very similar language, including some of these same symbols and in the book of Daniel. So today we'll look at Daniel chapter 7, and we'll see how it beautifully explains what I just read in chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. In fact, not only does it explain the symbolism, it will show us the identity of the little horn, and that's our topic for today. This person identified by the prophet Daniel over 2,500 years ago. This chapter in Daniel references the latter days, the coming of the Lord, and the redemption of mankind. So let's talk for a minute about Daniel's four beasts, and they were referenced actually there in the book of Revelation. If you recall in the book of Daniel, very early in Daniel's tenure in Babylon, 
Nebuchadnezzar, the king who had conquered Judah and took Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as captives, back to Babylon. This Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the astrologers to not only interpret the dream, but also first tell him what he dreamt. Well, to summarize the stories, they, they couldn't. There's no way they could possibly do this. But Daniel said he could because he knows the Lord. And Daniel tells him the dream. And the dream was actually about a very huge statue. And then Daniel describes the statue and the parts of the statue, starting with the golden head, going all the way down to the feet and the toes, the toes made of baked clay and iron. Daniel tells him the statue represents the four principal kingdoms of the world, beginning, and we now this is our interpretation, with Babylon, then Medo-Persia, followed by Greece, and then followed by Rome. Now Daniel finishes interpretation with a very important prophecy, and that prophecy contains our hope the promise of our redemption and the redemption of the earth. Let me read those three verses from Daniel chapter 22, verses 44 through 46. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. You know, this prophecy from Daniel tells us a great deal about the time of the end, the coming of the Lord, and the culmination of this present age. Daniel says, in the days of those kings, this refers to the ten toes in Daniel chapter 2 and the ten horns in Daniel chapter 7, also the ten horns in Revelation chapter 13 and 17. They're all the same. The angel Gabriel came to Daniel and explains the vision. The ten toes are the same, are the same as the ten, ten horns. They represent ten kings or a confederation of ten kings or nations that will rise up in the latter days, in the end days. They don't represent any previous or present confederation of ten kings. The scripture tells that, that in these days, the kings, uh, days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. So this is the culmination of the age. Now these ten kings in this kingdom, this kingdom that is to come that will never be destroyed, does not speak of the church as some believe, nor the restrained nation of Israel, or any particular nation, but this is the eternal kingdom of heaven, the new Jerusalem that's spoken of in the book of Revelation, that is described as coming down from heaven. Now this is immediately after what is described as a rock or a stone comes down from heaven and smashes the remaining kingdoms of the earth. Now, turning to the seventh chapter of Daniel, we'll see a striking parallel with the vision of Daniel in chapter 7 with the dream of Nebuchadnezzar in, in chapter 2. You see, sometimes these prophecies are given multiple times with slightly different visions, and it helps us interpret exactly the meaning of the, the vision. These chapter 7 and chapter 2 parallels uh, and we have the opportunity to get the interpretation correct and accurate. In the seventh chapter of this book, Daniel wakes 
and he records the vision that he had. This is, the, this is years after the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar. A new king is actually on the throne. His name is Belshazzar. He's the last king of Babylon. Now Daniel sees, this is Daniel's vision, Daniel sees four beasts. You could say they are animals, but they're quite unusual. That's why they're described as beasts. It's a lion with wings, a bear that looked pretty much normal, but then there's a leopard with wings that had four heads, and then the most horrible and most terrible of all, a beast with iron teeth and ten horns. Now here's the thing. Daniel wonders about this, this strange vision, as you would likely be wondering as well. But the angel Gabriel comes to Daniel to tell him that these beasts represent four world kingdoms. Daniel previously revealed to Nebuchadnezzar that there would be four kingdoms. So now we have the kingdoms very, very clearly illustrated. Babylon, then Medo-Persia, followed by Greece, followed by Rome. Now fortunately, and this is why our focus of the seventh chapter of Daniel, the angel Gabriel, God's primary message to humanity, and Gabriel has sent. I mean, Gabriel's sent not only to Daniel, but remember he's sent then uh, 600 years later uh, to Mary, who's, uh, who's uh, pregnant with Jesus. This angel Gabriel is dispatched to assist Daniel in the interpretation. Now Daniel chapter 7, beginning in verse 19, says this, Then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and as nails of bronze, which devoured broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet. And the ten horns which were on its head, and the other horn which came up before the other three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, those appear whose appearance was greater than his fellows. Verse 21, talking still about this little horn. As I was watching, the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the ancient of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Now that horn that Daniel writes about in verse 20 is the same one that he saw in verse 8. Verse 8 says, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one. That's where it gets its name, the little horn, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by their roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, a mouth speaking great things. Now, this horn, according to many evangelical scholars, is the Antichrist. This is the, this is the ruler that comes about at the end of the ages. And he fights against the saints. It says he makes war against them and prevails against them until the Ancient of Days came. Now, who are these saints? Well, we've taught on this before that during the seven years of tribulation, the Bible teaches that he who presently restrains is removed. And we take that to be the church, also known as the Bride of Christ. Christ returns for his bride prior to the tribulation, actually prior to the unveiling of the Antichrist. When Christ returns for his bride, many of those that are left behind still refuse to take the mark of the beast. Many are martyred, including a significant part of Israel that ultimately will also be saved as they embrace Jesus as the Messiah and the coming King. The identity of the little horn is further disclosed that he is like one of the ten kings, meaning he's a ruler. He's like one of the ten, 
meaning that he's a conqueror, a ruler, but he's also different. The scripture says, and another shall arise after them. So that probably, most likely, after the 10 kings have been in power for a while, many scholars believe it's during the last three and a half years, also called the Great Tribulation. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. So let's continue in chapter 7, starting in verse 23. The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it into pieces. The ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from the kingdom, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, shall intend to change times and law, then the saints shall be giving into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. So you see, this is the third time that Daniel speaks very specifically about these end days, about this fourth kingdom, this horrible kingdom, this beast, and also about the horn. One like the ten, but still different. In these verses, we see a little more clearly this other one, the little horn, the one that shall rise after them. Verse 24 says, he will subdue three kings. Now, we can't really speculate on who those are because these ten kings have probably not yet been given a kingdom. Uh, perhaps they have, but we don't know who they are. Three of them will fall, however, and this last one, this little horn, the one that speaks pompous things, will magnify himself. Notice Daniel repeats the vision that this one, this Antichrist, this little horn, will persecute the saints, but then it shows us something very interesting. Did you catch the words? It said, he shall intend to change times and law. And you know, I've thought about this a number of times. I've prayed about this and listened to a number of different commentaries. There are some that have explained that if this coming end time world leader has the intention to change times and laws, well, it could be, just could be, that perhaps this individual is a Muslim, as the Muslims have their own calendar and their own, their own laws. The calendar is called the Hagia, and it's the year 622, according to Islam. They have their own laws. You likely have heard of Sharia law. However, from my perspective, and after spending some time listening to this and listening to other commentators, I believe this prophecy of this coming world leader um, that shall intend to change times and laws could likely talk about something as, as simple as undoing our present system of AD and BC. You know, right now it's 2021 AD. The AD stands for Anno Domini, which is Latin for Year of the Lord. Now, if you notice, many people already today shy away from using the AD language because it refers too much to Christianity. And instead, they use the word, they use the, the abbreviation CE. Have you seen that? Meaning common era. And they changed BC to BCE, meaning before the common era. So along with times, and that may be the dates or the year or a system of, of dates, laws will definitely change. Now, we know from the book of Revelation that there's, a, there's a, a law that's going to be called the mark of the beast, that people have to take the mark of the beast, otherwise they won't be able to buy or sell. That's just one example of a law that will change. And if that's just one example, there's going to be many, many other laws that will change. So let's continue. 
as we've identified that this little horn is likely the one we know as the Antichrist, the ruler that appears at the end of the ages. However, you know, this little horn is also believed to have been Antiochus Epiphanes. Have you heard that before? Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, Antiochus Epiphanes was a, a Greek king that lived in the second century BC. And this is before the time of the Roman Empire. In fact, when the Gospels were being written, the Jews believed that Daniel's prophecy had been fulfilled in this Greek king, Antiochus Epiphanes. You see, in 168 BC, and this is, this is recorded in history, this Greek king, Antiochus IV Epiphanes, invaded Jerusalem and he captured the city. Now, he was a, he was a tyrant. He, he marched into the Jewish temple. He erected a statue of the Greek god Zeus. He sacrificed a pig on the altar of incense in order to desecrate the temple. Now, this provoked a revolt in Jerusalem, ultimately leading to the overthrow of the Greeks in Jerusalem by, by, um, by Judas Maccabees. And you can read about that in the Deuterocanical book, 1st and 2nd Maccabees. However, uh, and this is the thing, Antiochus Epiphanes arrived in Jerusalem too early in order to fulfill this prophecy. Daniel speaks of a little horn of coming out of the ten, which come out of the final uh, empire, which is the Roman Empire, or as we know, the revived Roman Empire in the latter days. Now, interestingly, when Jesus is answering the question that was posed to him on the Temple Mount, and actually he answered it on the Mount of Olives, uh, Jesus was asked by his apostles uh, about the coming, uh, his second coming and about the time when the temple would be destroyed. Jesus makes a very interesting statement in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Jesus says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. See, this is going back to the book of Daniel. Jesus is saying, when you see that, and then it says in the Bible, whoever reads, let him understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So in essence, Jesus is saying that this abomination that causes desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, had not come in full yet. Now, it could be that this Antiochus Epiphanes is a type of this end-time um, uh, desolation that causes, the uh, abomination that causes desolation. He's a type of the Antichrist, but he wasn't the fulfillment of the prophecy of Daniel because Jesus says it. Jesus says it is still to come. Now, this is actually a very key part of prophecy and understanding prophecy. As Jesus is taking this piece of prophecy of Daniel and he's putting it all the way at the end time to the time when Jesus comes to restore the kingdom. And we can read about that in the book of Revelation. We know this little horn then to be the Antichrist. And, it, and Jesus directs our attention to the period of time associated with his second coming. So. Now that we've identified the little horn, let me summarize what we believe the scriptures tells us about this man, the Antichrist. This man prophetically first appears in Revelation chapter 6 as the rider on the first horse. This is the very first seal of chapter 6. This rider comes to conquer and to wage war. The Apostle Paul says he will not be revealed until he that restra is restrained is removed. And again, we teach that, that Paul is telling us that Christ returns first 
for the bride of Christ. And that's from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now the prophet Daniel tells us that this man, this lawless one, this little horn, the book of Revelation calls him the beast, will make a covenant with many regarding Israel for seven years, one week. One week of years, which is seven years. But he'll break the covenant midpoint after three and a half years. Now this is one of the key reasons we understand uh, the book of Revelation, that the tribulation that is talked about will last seven years, with the last three and a half years being called the Great Tribulation. The Antichrist is empowered by Satan himself. He also has a false prophet that does his bidding, and it is the false prophet that causes people to actually worship the Antichrist and to take the mark, known as 666 or the mark of the beast. This Antichrist persecutes the saints, which includes those during the tribulation that follow Jesus, as well as all of Israel. And the Antichrist persecutes the Jews as well, as he attacks the Holy Land and ravages the land of Israel. He's the one that also gathers all the kings of the earth to come and fight against Israel and the Lord God at a place called Armageddon. And this, of course, isn't a fair fight at all because the Lord prevails very, very quickly. It's really not much of a fight at all. And the Antichrist is thrown into the lake of fire. You know, my friends, the Bible clearly interprets the Bible. The prophet Daniel has much to say about the coming seven years of tribulation. That is destined. It's destined. It is sure to happen. God is the only one that can speak with 100% accuracy of those events that are still in the future. We, the body of Christ, since the days of the Apostle Paul, are to look forward to this time, to the return of Jesus Christ. Paul, the Apostle Paul calls it the blessed hope. Amen and amen. And you can join with me. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for the prophecy that's in the Bible. This You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.